Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Besides... Very nice. Thank you very much. Now, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? It's leave, you idiot. Make like a tree and leave. You sound like a damn fool when you say it wrong. All right, then, leave! What's your name, dude? Uh, Martin. Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of stupid name is that? Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Citizen Frame. This is going to be a fun one. We're continuing our retrospective series. And what better way to do a retrospective than talk about the 1985 hit Back to the Future, then Back to the Future 2, and Back to the Future 3. Uh, so it's five years. Five years to tell this trilogy. I think five years is a good time for a trilogy. That seems about right. Yeah. They also... They also film two and three back to back. Yeah, and I got a problem with that. Believe it. Not not not, not necessarily back to back, but we'll talk about that when we hit Back to the Future two next week. Okay. Um, my theories around that, and so Back to the Future. There you go. The movie that catapulted. Well, Michael J. Fox was already making his name for himself on Family Ties. Uh, he was kind of becoming the household name on in the small box in the TV sets at home. As Alex P. Keaton, uh, very fun character. I love Family Ties. I always was a big fan of it, mainly because of Michael J. Fox. Um, he was the original. Cho- he was the original choice for this film. They always wanted him. Uh, however, contract-wise, same thing would happen with Tom Selleck and Magnum P.I. Actually, um, he couldn't get out of his contract right away for Magnum P.I. and he had to turn down Raiders of the Lost Ark to play Indiana Jones. Same thing with Michael J. Fox. So they casted a up-and-comer. He had a couple... A dramatic actor. I think that's the flaw. Um, and that is Eric Stoltz, who did Mask at the time. Um, very good film, Mask. A lot of people should check it out. He did Some Kind of Wonderful with Leah Thompson. And well, I think that was around the same time this came out. Maybe a little later. But he was he was more of a serious actor. And a method actor all, as well, apparently. Yeah, and if we all know, if we watched um, Back to the Future, you can't have a serious actor in this role. And I don't mean Michael J. Fox is not a serious actor, but you needed that slapstick. Yeah, you needed that, you know, goofiness quality. And even, even to this day, I can't see that in Eric Stoltz. Pop- now, I've, yeah, now seventy five percent of this film uh, was was filmed um, with Eric Stoltz, but the producers and everybody says he's not working out. He's taking it too seriously. And God love him. I like Eric Stoltz. I like Memphis Bell. I like to be in Pulp Fiction. Yes. Um, he's always, um, he's he's always he always stands out in the role as he plays. However, he would not be a good fit. I have seen the, some of the dailies. Well, uh, you can you can YouTube him. It just doesn't work. There's no chemistry between him and Leah Thompson. Um, it just 
something wasn't right. So 75% of the film had to get trashed. And they finally were able to get Michael J. Fox because Michael J. Fox had decided to work 24-7 to get this done. So he'd work on the Monday through Friday during the days, do do family ties. And then at nights and on weekends, he'd film Back to the Future. So kudos to Michael J. Fox for doing that extra effort to get on board. Yeah, I mean, fair play to him. Apparently, C. Thomas Howell was originally cast in the role. Um, people probably remember him from the likes of The Hitcher. And he was one of those uh, Brat Pack actors from the 80s as well. Yeah, I didn't know that. Red Dawn and The Outsiders and all those films. Yes. Um, he was cast, but he never actually filmed any scenes. He, he was like, I think he, was, he left two weeks um, into his contract or whatever it was. Um, and then Eric Stoltz then, of course, came on board. Apparently, Eric Stoltz was, um, I wouldn't say, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm only going by reports, obviously. But apparently, he didn't get on well with Thomas F. Wilson, who played Biff. And the fight scene in the 1950 diner, apparently he was taking it way too serious and actually um, bruised and properly hurt Thomas F. Wilson, who was unsurprisingly really pissed off about it. But in in the, the finished film, it's, it, it is still Eric Stoltz's fist that punches Biff. <laughs> I wonder if he gets royalties. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, wow. he would have got paid, you know. You know what? It, it does kind of suck a bit because... I think no matter what, Michael J. Fox had a career because of Family Ties. He won a lot of awards for that, and I think he would have went on either way. But with Eric Stoltz and C. Thomas Howell, they kind of peaked in the 80s. Yeah. Um, and they didn't really see much after them. They've worked to this day. They've always been they're working actors and good on them. I like both actors. Yeah. Um, the Hitcher is fucking great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I did, I did think that, that would probably hurt them. I think I guarantee you, C. Thomas Howell, for whatever reason... Is hit is beating himself against a brick wall. His head against a brick wall for not having the opportunity to take on Back to the Future. Yeah, and Matthew Modine as well, and Ralph Macchio, the Karate Kid himself, they both um, rejected the role. They were offered it. Apparently, this is again, it's just what I've read up on. Yeah, see, Matthew Modine's. I want to see Matthew Modine in this role. He's too tall. Private Joker as as yeah, fly now and wouldn't work. Well, and Vision Quest. Um, I like Matthew Modine. Yes. Um, I, um, I do like his stuff as well. Uh, he now recently researched with Stranger Things. I, um, but he's too tall. Yeah. He's, he needed he need tinier. I could actually see Ralph Macchio. Um, but as of now, it's Marty McFly is always going to be our boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Michael J. Fox. Yeah. And uh, uh, you know, we were talking about family ties. Um, I don't even know if that was broadcast in the UK at the time. But certainly growing up, um, Michael J. Fox really hit the big time in the UK with Back to the Future. And then he had, you know, like Doc Hollywood and The Secret of My Success and stuff. And Casualties yeah. of War, where it was a more serious role for him. Good movie. Underrated Spin movie. Spin City, you know. Um, I, I think, well, he he made a movie. Um, uh, when he was doing Family Ties. Yes. And they canned it. And... Back to the Future was so fucking such a hit. Yes, they released it, and that's called Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. There's another one I really like. Yeah. Teen Wolf. Um, yeah, I remember watching it um, as a kid again on video. Uh, yeah, good fun. So yeah, he made he made he, he had a good agent. Then he did some good, good dark stuff. He did like we talked about Casualties of War. He did Bright Lights, Big City. He did The Light of Day yes. with uh, Joan Jett. He did um, 
um, my favorite, Secret of My Success, uh, Doc Hollywood. And then he did a film. This is where he found out he had uh, Parkinson's. Yes. When he was filming one of the guys, you want to watch a Michael J. Fox film. It's his, I think, almost just as good as The Back to the Future. I love this movie. It's called The Hard Way. Mm-hmm. And he plays an overindulgent, spoiled brat actor. Yeah. Who wants to get this? He wants to get this role of a lifetime. So he wants to learn how to be a cop. And he teams up with a serious cop who hates him by James Woods. It's so I haven't seen funny. It. Yeah. It's got that it's it's R rated. So it's got it's it's gritty, it's got violence, and the bad the bad guy in it is played by a guy I like, Stephen Lang. Yeah. Uh, guys, check it out. It's called The Hard Way. Yeah, it's good. But I, I always liked Michael J. Fox. I mean, he, he he just has always come across as not just his roles, obviously, but in real life, it's just a really nice, likable guy. Yeah, good, exactly. And it shows in the film. Yes. Um, his, his true personality is Marty McFly. I really do think so. Yeah. Um, I think he's pretty much just playing himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and that's why it works. And then you've got such a well-rounded cast with Leah Thompson, Christopher Lloyd, um, uh, um, Chris Glover. You have uh, young Casey Zemasco, a young Billy Zane. Yes. You've got James Tolkien, Mr. Strickland. Yep. Uh, and of course, and of course, uh, Tom Wilson yep. who plays Biff. Even Claudia Wells as um, Jennifer works. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about her in the second one. We won't get into that now. But um, I have nothing but respect for that actress. Yes. Um, for what she has gone through and what she did, she yes. gave up her career for her mother, and we'll certainly dive into that when casting recasting begins in the second one. Okay, so yeah, this is a dream child of Bob Kale and Robert Zemeckis to produce a producer and a director I am very fond of. Zemeckis lately has done a James Cameron. He's more into the visual styling now than he is the actual f- s- film. I never liked his um, other films that followed back to the Back to the Future trilogy. Oh come on! You didn't like Roger Rabbit. Um, to be honest, you I didn't have like, to watch it again. You, I haven't. Um, you did been a long, you, okay. long time. You didn't like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You didn't like Death Becomes Her. Uh, Death Becomes Her. But again, I, I watched these so so long ago. You know, whenever um, you know the came Forrest out. Gump. For for Forrest Gump, but it's it's. Castaway? Um, I mean... But you, you got to admit, I think you just don't remember some of the stuff yeah, you've done. Yeah, to be fair, I think that's a fair point. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, just a lot of the stuff wasn't really my thing. Forrest Gump, see, Forrest Gump's a strange one. I think it, Forrest Gump was hugely popular in America, but I think non-Americans didn't really get it as much as Americans yeah. did, because it's more about American history, if you know what I mean. Yes, yeah, that's true. But... I mean, Flight is a great one with Denzel Washington. My my personal What What Lies Beneath, where yes, Harrison Ford yes, plays a bad guy. Um, so he, no, he's, a, and, he's a very you know he's a top quality director. I'm not denying that. But and and I know you don't like it, but I love Romance in the Stone. And Romance in the Stone is the the reason he got this film. Yeah. Again, um, it, it would be a case of I would have to rewatch these because it's been so long. A lot of these um, ones that yeah. he did. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. I would I would say Zemeckis was like Richard Donner. Yeah, um, always had a hit. He is. Um, uh, I do think he did a movie called Used Cars, and that was the movie that tanked on him. But it's with Kurt Russell. Yeah, and it's a comedy. It's very funny. You guys should check it out. And it didn't do well, and he got lucky getting *Romance in the Stone*, and then he he was able to green light *Back to the Future*. 
Um, and, and, and to this day, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale both own the rights, equal shares to Back to the Future, not Spielberg. And they've also, Spielberg. they have also stated that there will be no reboot, remake, or yep. any of that nonsense while they're still it's alive. Yeah, they said this will never ever happen. Good on them. Yep, I agree. Don't fucking don't fucking touch it. Yep. So every guys out now, there's a big thing going around. With Tom Holland, I think someone's trying to campaign for. And actually, in all fairness, if you were going to do it, Tom Holland's not a bad choice. But you can't touch Back to the Future, guys. Move on. If it ain't broke, don't try and fix it. Yeah, uh, you don't, you don't, you don't touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, there you go. And the movie's been greenlit. And here we are, Back to the Future. One of the biggest hits of the 80s. One of the best soundtracks of all time from the 80s. It cost 19000 to make. I'm going to go on a limb here and say it cost a little more because of the reshoots. So, 19000 I mean, think it was maybe... But, but 19000 but I'm going to say... I'm going to go on a limb here and add another ten to that. But... Again, I see these just basic numbers it's here. The, Nineteen thousand and three hundred and twenty-four million worldwide. For me, it's a quintessential eighties film. I was on the set, by the way. I when I visited um, Universal Studios when I was in America a few years ago, um, was on the set, and that was just a real buzz, you know. Cause, oh yeah, yeah, I did that tour too. When you can see the DeLorean, and then you get to, you take the little trolley, yes, and you go to the, you go to the, and there's the clock. Yep, the clock tower. Now that 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 town, that little central. That's where everything was filmed in the 50s, yep. 60s, 70s. And that's where everything was Twilight Zone, you, all sorts. Yeah, the monsters, uh, the burbs. The backlot. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, the Universal backlot. Ev- everybody films in the Universal backlot, even to this day. Yes. So it's... Uh, just it's just it's personally, it was just a real buzz to be like in Hell Valley, you know? Um, yeah. You know, it was just, you know, after you know being such a fan of the series, especially the original. Yeah, um... Yeah, and it's back because I, I saw it. I went to that tour in '88, so Back to the Future was still the big hit. Fresh, yeah. So that's where everyone knew it from. Yes, but my mom was like, "Well, no, that was in I Love Lucy. That was in yes, know, uh, the old classics." And uh, I, I'm like, "Fuck that! This is Back to the Future." It was <laughs> used in the very first episode of the Twilight Zone, Rod Serling's Twilight Zone. Um, and it actually is um, uh, a similar type of scene where, you know, like Marty is in the 50s and he's like, you know, uh, amazed, you know, what, what, what's going on here. But um, this episode of The Twilight Zone, I think it's called Where Is Everybody? It's like a, a guy is walking about dazed because um, everybody, he's the last person on earth type thing. But it's filmed in, in that back lot. Yeah, like you said, you probably quite quite a, quite a quite a bit film there. Mm-hmm. Now, um, we talk uh, during retrospectives. A lot of the retrospectives we do are you know franchises, you know fra- you know long movies that long uh, long ser- uh, long films that uh, from forty years, Rockies, the Rambo's, uh, Indiana Jones. But this isn't a franchise. I think people get that confused. Yes, this is a trilogy. Yeah, a trilogy is. Three, three and done. That's it. And so they don't. If they went above and beyond that, then you start getting into the franchise market. Yeah, and it was only ever supposed to be a one-off film. Well, that's my question, because when we we're talk, when we talk about two, I feel like some scenes must have been filmed during one in case a hit. I don't know. So I know. Um, apparently, they had no intention of doing a sequel. And uh, the final okay. scene where Doc comes back from the future, 
um, to say, you know, Marty and Jennifer, it's your kids. Something has to be done about your kids. Um, yeah. Apparently, that was just um, put in as a final joke with no intention of a sequel. And okay. it was then later on on the video release that um, the caption was added to be continued. Uh, we talked about Zemeckis and Gale and Spielberg. And it's got my boy. This is one of his first big outings after working with John Carpenter for all these years. I mean, we talked about Dean Cundey. Mm-hmm. He is the DP. He shot all the Back to the Futures, and this is where he starts working. He starts uh, famously working for Spielberg quite a bit, including Jurassic Park. Yeah. So it's nice to see Dean Cundey. I have to give a massive shout-out because I totally forgot about it. For something, for some reason, in the 80s, when you think Spielberg, you think John Williams. Or you think Jerry Goldsmith yes. was the composer. But this is not. It is a man by the name of L. Allen Silvestri. And he did the score. And boy, I got to admit, they ramp up the score in the second one. I love the score in the Back to the Future. Oh, they're brilliant. They're just so iconic, you know? Yeah, right up there at the Imperial March. Yes. The Raiders March. It's, 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 it's going to withstand the test of time for sure. Yeah. Um, now, let's get something on the way before we, <laughs> before we start this. Um, there's a lot of perverts out there. <laughs> um, and I won't mention names. <laughs> let's, let's get something straight, people. If anybody watches this film and thinks incest, those people need help. <laughs> No, this is Robert Zemeckis is like if anybody took this to a level and and make it what it's not. Um, you know, you know how we talked about horror films and you got those asshole protesters who are out who are, who are oh this is piece, this is this is pornographic this is <laughs> that's the though people who are saying this is incestual are those people <laughs> they are they they are yes they are they're extremists what and they're finding they are finding something that's so innocent in its storytelling <laughs> and using such an ugly word. Right. Now, let me, let's get something straight, people. And I won't <laughs> mention names, but it rhymes with the river. Uh, right, right. Um, no, 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 let me finish. Yep. Okay. So you need to understand that the, the, pretty much the definition of incestual is having <laughs> relations I knowing, uh, knowing somebody in your immediate family. Yes. Knowing a deliberate <laughs> sexual act <laughs> on someone in your immediate family, knowing that what their relationship is, what their relation is. Yeah. That is pretty much what incest is. This has none of that. Right. Well, it's incest with proxy of, here. You bunch of sick, sick <laughs> human beings. Who would take this innocent film and put that ugly word into this right. film? Okay, deserves no respect. Right now, Trevor, please continue because I know you love incest. <laughs> right, I would just say that uh, for me, I like um, winding people like you up, and it is a joke when I say it because uh, it's it's incest by proxy because you know you can't get around it. Um, basically, you know, his mother fall, um, falls in love with him. You know, Marty McFly, there's, Disney passed him. That's not that I have any time for Disney. Um, but as you know, it's a studio. But um, <coughs> um, basically, I, I love wine. It's a joke. I, I love making a joke uh-huh. about it. Sure. Yeah. You sicko. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and not only that, there, the great thing about that joke is that it winds up people like you. 
<laughs> no, I don't. I don't get. I don't get wind up. I I think you need therapy. Um, <laughs> Not as much therapy no, as fucking the, the rain and the film needs. <laughs> you know? But let me. And how does she know what kissing her brother's like? Let me. Now we're going to discuss the 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 relationship <laughs> um, as as we go and how innocent it is. But the car seat gets pretty up there. But it gets all solved. When she kisses him, guys, when I say when I say a kiss, it's a peck. Uh, it's not a peck. Yes, it is a peck. It's closed mouth. She tried to snog him. Closed lipped. No, it's not. See, that's where you're sick. And, Watch the and scene then, again. To make it even worse, it's a peck. Lorraine then turns around and, and sort of um, steps away and goes, "It's weird, but kissing you is like kissing my brother. How does she know what kissing her brother is like?" Oh, meaning there's no feeling there. Mm. That's what it means. You sick. See, that's the problem. You're like those churchgoers. <laughs> no, you're, you're like one of those bleeding heart Christians, born again <laughs> Christians, who who fucking picket movies. No, no, no. Why well, you are? Oh my God! You're part of the video nasty people. Bullshit. I yep. love Way to go, winding Trevor. people. Way to go. I love winding people up. And no, this too is late. one of the too things. Late. Too late. I'm a wind up merchant. Um, Let's just now, say Mary Whitehouse um, wasn't exactly known for her sense of humor. Let's just say I'm having a laugh. Let's um, let's talk. Let's talk about the intro. This whole thing's done like eleven minutes, and we get to meet the town, and then we get to see the little plot devices peppered yes. in within that eleven minutes, and it's very fun and very fast paced. We meet Mister Strickland. We see the future mate uh, Marvin Berry. Yes, uh, a mayor. Uh, oh no, Barry, that's uh, Goldie. Yes. Goldie, yeah, Goldie Berry. No, no, it's, um, it's, it's um, uh, no. You're thinking of the the band later on, who's Chuck Berry's cousin. Oh, Marvin Berry. Yes, sorry. Yes. Yeah, and then there's Goldie. We meet him in the beginning. Yes. We meet the mayor. Uh, yeah. The, well, he's running for mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we, we see the Strickland. Um, we see all these little glimpses of of, of the town that will be become focal points. Or, or and and or characters that would become focal points when they go back know what into time. What's really good about this as well? They set up um, Marty McFly as um, this really cool guy, which he is. You know what I mean? With the cool girlfriend, and he, he yeah, he's hitchhiking on the back of the truck. Yeah, with the skateboard. But then, whenever it cuts to his family, whenever he gets home, <laughs> I love his family. Uh, no, they're the best. Uh, they're the complete polar opposite. They're complete idiots. And, you know, <laughs> the, the mother's an alcoholic. Uh, the, 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 the the uncle's in jail. The dad, well, he's George McFly. <laughs> getting bullied by Beth. Um, the sister and the brother are two complete uh, clowns. Uh, it's just such a, a, a sort of, you know, a cutaway from... Um, Marty being this really cool guy with Hugh Lewis in the news, you know, when he kisses Jennifer and, you know, I love you and, you know, all this here. Then it's cut to the complete fucking dweeb family. Brilliant. Yeah, it, it it's... <laughs> I mean, Chris McGlover's laugh. I mean, Chris McGlover, uh, it's sad he didn't continue. We'll talk about yes. that, like I said, in the second one. But um, Chris McGlover made his, his improv, he's the best. That laugh he is fucking brilliant. He's very good when he's on there, yeah. and just like he did, I know it's a polar opposite films, but he, he did steal it, which is Friday Thirteenth Part Four yeah. it, it, uh, with, it, his, it, with his dancing. He's a comic. <laughs> um, he's just a complete natural. He's a comic genius. He, he's brilliant. Yeah. He is. 
I mean, I know we talk about Marty, and it's just there's so many Doc and stuff, and there's so many great characters here. But for me, um, George McFly steals the show, you know, played by Chris um and uh, too bad his ego got in the way a bit. Yes, because he he didn't show up in the second one because of his ego really. Yeah, and I think he would have had a, more of a career if he if he stuck with it, um because they kind of write him out in the next two, and it's too bad because he is a scene stealer. Um, totally. And that as we all know, we are going to say we're all all these movies are getting passes clearly, but two and three would have been would have been would have been dominated if you brought him back yeah. oh he was, he's um, just superb <laughs> he's, he's very good so and it's just like you say the laugh and you know whatever um the brother you know um say dad it's about time you you know you, you, you change that grace you know under her and he's, all, he's yeah. watching the um the honeymooner and he's just <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just, yeah and that was that's uh mark mcclure yes he played jimmy olsen in the superman that's films. right and supergirl uh, yeah um, but yeah, but it's, it's even the, the wee small things, you know, the more subtle things with um, is George McFly where um, Lorraine says say to him, um, you know, we were talking about the first time they met, you know, when how he was knocked down by her father, and he goes, what were you doing, what, what, what was it you were doing again, George, bird watching? And he goes, what, what? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, and even the stuff with, you know, Biff and stuff, um, that's, you know... <laughs> Like when Biff says, you wouldn't want me to get fired, would you? And he's like, well, uh, no, no, you know, oh, just brilliant. The the, the, the comic delivery yeah. and timing is just... McFly, hello, McFly. Oh, <laughs> um, and I'll just run but, it on over first thing in the morning. <laughs> and these are all actors, besides Leah Thompson, she has low street cred at yeah. this point. Nobody knows them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I know Thomas... Uh, Thomas Wilson has done all right for himself. He's worked his, his whole life and good good on him, but he never really, really got the, another big break. And so I was always surprised because he's very good in this. I mean, he's again, it's a supporting cast that steal the movie. Yes. And Marty McFly, he's great, and Matt J. Fox is brilliant. But when he's on the screen of these two, these two steal it. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it, this this film from you know right through is cast perfectly. Yeah, um, and that's one thing um, Zemeckis and Spielberg always got right in their films. Yeah, I've never said, "Oh God, that was horribly cast." Yeah, I mean, take—I mean, well, perfect example would be Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Bob Hoskins as the leading man. Yeah, I mean, he's the complete opposite of what a leading man would have been back then. Oh yeah. So to, and kudos, Bob Hoskins steals the movie. He's great in it, but. They just they both these guys and their casting, um, um, casting uh, probably Marion Daughtery I think casted this. I'm not sure. Don't I'm know. probably wrong. Don't but know. but anyway, um, yeah, kudos. I mean, they just seem to they have a niche. They have a, a of casting young actors. Uh, C. Thomas Howell was in E.T. You had um, uh, what's his name? Who the lead? Uh, Henry Thomas, the lead. In, he's done well. Yes. Uh, Drew Barrymore has done well. well. Henry Thomas has seen he, a bit of a resurgence lately with. Um, thanks to Mike Flanagan. Yes, to Mike Flanagan, yeah. sort of um, yeah. projects, you know. But they've all worked. Yeah. So they seem to find you know movie uh, the Explorers. I think I think Spielberg produced that one. That's Ethan Hawke and River mm-hmm. Phoenix. Um, so you know it's and uh, so it it's nice to see the actors, you know. Get rewarded. Yes. Um, yeah. We're doing, but Thomas Wilson, I never understood. Chris McGlover, I kind of get 
Yeah, because he's a bit of a sort of um, princess. Um, yeah, I think he's just. A, I, don't, I don't even know if he's. So he's much, an eccentric. Yes, he's, an he's, eccentric he's a pure eccentric. He popped up um, yeah. just last year in an episode. He plays um, the Love Lovecraft character, um, um, basically in the Guillermo um, del Toro series, Cabinet of Curiosities. Um, yeah. Richard Upman um, Pickman. Um, he plays, yeah. who's quite an iconic Lovecraft character. Um, you know, Pac-Man's model. That that story was um, done as part of um, Guillermo del Toro's, and he plays Pac-Man. So he's sort of kind of perfect for those types of roles. You know, the eccentric. Yeah. Sort of the remake. He's good in the remake of Willard. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, what's what's that kind of enjoyed? Um. So, yeah, the movie plants everything well. I love the the the, the movie theaters all worn down, but it's a porn theater now. That's right. And the movie on there is orgy American style. Yeah. Uh, you got the woman save the clock tower, which obviously we know will be relevant mm-hmm. um, coming up. And then, but little things on how he takes the the, the flyer she gives him and puts it in his pocket, so he he'll, have, he'll be able to reference that. Yes. when he goes back to 1955. But the clock tower so, was apparently a later addition, a late addition to the script because they originally wanted um, um, the, the DeLorean was going to have to go to a basically nuclear test site in the Nevada desert in the 1950s to get him back. But due to they didn't have the budget for it, they then had to change it to the clock tower being struck by lightning. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yep. I didn't no clue. That's the time right. machine was also supposed to be a fridge um, that they had to take to a nuclear test site and they re- reused the idea in... Um, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, that was a little nod. Yeah, I know. I heard about that. That's which I kind of like. That. Yeah, I like those little backstories. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Spielberg. It's all kind of one big. Well, it's just be like one big. Uh, what do you call it? One big film. Yeah, yeah, like it's <laughs> one, the Spielberg, Spielberg universe. universe. Yeah, exactly. Emblem Entertainment. Um, the de aging in this. Uh, one thing about Zemeckis, he kind of. Uh, Became a staple for visual effects, um, you know, all the way from obviously Who Framed Roger Rabbit, even before to, James Cameron, to yeah, before James um, to uh, Death Becomes Her. Yes, he was the one who you know start did digital de aging. He also did makeup de aging. I mean, he really got a really good team well, behind his visuals. Well, in the second, and it's also like the sort of early sort of CGI. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Um, we really goes all out the CGI when it comes to Forrest Gump and Death Becomes Her. Yes. So he's always been that. He's he's really a pioneer. Kind of, he's a pioneer of that. When we all think Cameron, I'm like, no, guys, it's Zemeckis all the way. Um, but yeah, the the, make, the makeup effects of this are so are so well done. You have some stupid little flaws. Who cares? Yeah. You go with it. Um, but now it's time to get to 1955. And the flux well, I also, I also, uh, I would also like to give mention to the scene where we're first introduced to the time machine, which is really fucking, you know, it's awe-inspiring, you know, and even with you know Einstein, and and that, see, I, you know, one thing that is amazing about this film overall, but especially um, in the finale and the, the scene where Marty's being chased before he goes back to fifty-five, the tension is rap- ramped up to almost unbearable levels. You know, it's really, really. It's it's just a brilliant script, but yeah, yeah, it works because when you see Doc get it, the audience is floored. Yeah, and you just see him, you see him get shot and then fall down, and you just see his legs. You don't see the aftermath. Yes. At this point, before this all happened, he is dead. Yes, uh, people don't realize that he is dead. He's been shot dead until in this timeline. We, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, yeah, and it's and then, even when they're chasing Marty and stuff, and they get the let's see, um, you know, they get the the, the big sort of um, rocket launcher out, and it's Marty's, um, you know, let's see if you bastards can do ninety, and then it's boom, back in time. <laughs> I I do like I do like when he goes, uh, <laughs> Marty goes plutonium. Why don't you get plutonium? Oh, I just help some Libyan terrorist. Yeah, uh, tell him I'll make a bomb for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, okay. So he made them a bomb with like ping pong balls or something or something like that. There, yeah, uh, yeah. I go, but uh, I go, Doc. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? And Doc's, shh, 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 you know, <laughs> yeah. He ripped off a bunch of Libyans. <laughs> so when I love when he hits 1955 and he crashes into the barn. Yep. The scarecrow lands on him. He's screaming. Yep. He's screaming. And he lands into the barn. And these nice little farmers come out. And it's funny with the hazmat suit he has mm-hmm. on and everything. He does look like one of those 50s Corman-esque kind of yep. you know, monsters That's or it. aliens. And the, guy comes out, the farmer comes out with a shotgun. And the kid goes... Oh my God, he's taking human form. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah. Because back then, of course, those whole pulp science fiction comics and all were a huge thing. You know, they were imported here to the UK and stuff. So it works. It works perfectly. Uh, the farmer's like you, space bastard. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> there was another thing about this, just as a bit of a, a, a say. Um, well, see, see, whenever this was shown on TV in the UK, like um, um, whenever I, I was still a kid. Um, it, it was edited, it was censored, the swearing. So you would have had stuff um, like, it used to really piss me off. You would have had stuff, and it wasn't like, it was dubbed over with the swearing. So, and I smiled swearing, you know what I mean? But um, it w- would have been things like, um, you know, Doc would have been saying, Marty, when this baby hits 88 miles an hour, you're going to see some serious, and instead of shit, it was stuff. You know? And that yeah, but that, same, but that same thing in the States. Yeah, that used to really bug me. Uh, but now you can say shit and bastard. Yeah. It's kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so but back then, family how- films were quite edgy still. And they had the odd sort of, you know, joke in there for the adults. And also the odd sort of mouth swear word like bastard, you space bastard. Um, and, or shit, you know. It really depends on the, on the context of the swearing. Yeah. Like, you, you space bastard, that's funny. It's not mean spirited. That also helps. You- but this also came out at a time where. The PG thirteen came into play, yeah. so yeah, that most movies, thanks, you know, Temple of Doom, the PG thirteen just started in eighty four. Well, so Red Dawn, Dreamscape, the, the first two PG thirteen movies. It, it came in eighty nine with um, Tim Burton's Batman, which was given. They made up this new certificate, which was a twelve. Yeah, so it was. Well, Batman should be. Batman's pretty. Is actually quite violent. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think um, at the time, I think a lot of people, you know, in people's heads, Batman was the 1960s, you know, Kerpau series with, you know, Adam West and Burt Ward. But then all of a sudden there was this dark vision of it with like the psychotic Joker played by Jack Nicholson and the BBFC who made the certificates in, you know, um, Britain at the time. They basically their shit themselves and they created a whole new certificate for it. Um, the... The reintroduction to the small town is cool. Brilliant. Because, um, like I said, we took 11 minutes to kind of introduce ourselves to everything. Now we take a couple minutes. Just the movie theater is beautiful. It's a family theater. The yoga place is now a nice Mr. cafe. Sandman and all that. Yeah. We we meet, meet uh, future mayor Goldie Brown. Um, when when Marty suggests, hey, maybe you could run for mayor. Yep. And he's like, hey, mayor, that's it. That's a, yeah, he, um, it's basically because of Marty. Yeah. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. By peppering mm-hmm. in, they plant the seed in the beginning. 
um, that we saw the posters yes. of Elect Goldie Brown, um, and then that that's because of Marty's little one one sentence. And he also creates and, later on rock and roll. Yeah, yes, yeah, this is so stupid. It's good, but it works. It's funny. It does yeah. work. It does work. It goes. Um, this, this is <laughs> Chuck. This is your cousin Marvin Barry. <laughs> you know, you know, and you, you, Marty's playing. You know, um, so we he's trying to get George to to uh, get him to ask his mom out. Yes, yeah. Although I love the scene, and, the first scene where um, Biff comes into the diner in the fifties, and he's McFly, yeah. McFly, and it's a replay of the previous scene. But Marty at first thinks it's him, and he then realizes again, um, Chris Glover, brilliant. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's kind of the guy, he, he plays awkward, shy, and loony yeah. really well. Apparently he's like that in real life, so... <laughs> oh yeah, God, his father's like that too. He, you recognize his father, people should Google him, he's, he's, he's been in so many films. What's his father called? They, uh, oh my God, something Glover. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I promise you, you Google him, you'll go, oh my God, that's Christmas Dad, because you'll know him. Guy's been in hundreds of films. Yes. Uh-huh. He's a character probably, actor. I probably know him, yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, but then we get, it gets, so when he, he, he gets hit by the car over George. Yes. That's where the, things start getting fucked up. And this is where he meets... His mom. I love that she keeps calling him Kelvin. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, who's this Kelvin Klein? Yeah. <laughs> now, what this is where we're talking about the <laughs> the mother's attraction to Marty. Yep. And the reason I think the use of the word incest is so wrong is because this plays, this whole dynamic, especially the scene in the car, which we'll get to, it's it plays slapsticky, and it what would be an awkward scene. And awkward is a perfect word. Yeah, the way these actors play it, it it almost plays like a faulty tower. Yeah, comedy. Yeah, it's comic gold. Yeah, and faulty towers mastered that Benny Hill. Yeah, and it's almost be like that. Uh, Mighty Python. It had that. That English humor, yes. I guess you can it, say. It's uh, that you kind naughty of, kind sort of, of um, seaside postcard humor. Yeah, you're 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 nodding at the audience and you're winking at by t- by crossing this line a bit. It, of, it, it's oh. the awkward but, cringe of of the scenes where she's like grabbing his leg at the dinner table and stuff, and it's oh you, know, you know, but but obviously they don't go too far, and it, it's they just go far enough. You know what I mean? Well, that's my point. Yeah. I never once thought incest when I saw this film. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, ew, your mom. That's yeah, what I, yeah. you know what I mean? That's what I was doing. I wasn't like Trevor going, oh, uh, But yeah, I'm just exaggerating incest. for comic I love, effect. You know, yeah, so when, like, like Trevor has his, you know, his rolls of uh, paper towels. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. I'm, I'm just enjoying it for just Fuck your worst. That's, that's, even, that's even worse thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, you call hey, me mom, sex. I got my back. I got my Back to the Future in my sock. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking. You know what I mean? That, that's <laughs> that, no, that's going too far. You know? <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just say, you know who I love? Yeah. Um, Lorraine's dad. <laughs> Oh yeah! <laughs> Whenever Marty leaves, and it goes, um, the mother goes, he's a very strange boy, and he just—he's still watching the TV. He goes, he's an idiot. Because <laughs> he his parents are probably I, idiots too. Comes from upbringing. I love it when they're watching the honeymooners because that's—they they were watching. Wasn't he watching that yes. in the uh, in the in the opening? Yes. So he goes, oh, I love this episode. This is, I've seen this before. It's a rerun. What do you mean? This is the first time it's on. Yeah. It's a rerun. Yeah. What's a rerun? Yeah. Yeah, there's all those research um, things there. Like I say, it's um, um, talking about Doc Brown living over near John F. Kennedy Drive, and the dad goes, who the hell is John F. Kennedy? You know? Yeah. You know, uh, by the way, did you recognize um, Lorraine's dad? Um, he's a character actor. I've seen him in other... Was he in Rockford Files? He, I don't know, but he, he's one of the, the detectives that assists George C. Scott in Legion, Exorcist Three. Oh yeah, he's he's you could put pepper him in everything, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, he does a lot of. He's a character actor, yeah. but uh, he's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, so you have, I do like. So he goes to Doc Brown's place. Yes. And he goes, listen, it's important you stay out of sight. Don't mix with anybody you know. Yep. Have you done anything? Do we need? Do we do you need to be concerned? He goes, well, <laughs> <laughs> I might have ran into my parents. Yeah. He's a god fuck. Yeah. Um, and obviously this is where the clock tower they know what they have to do yes and while he's working on to get the clock thing going he needs Marty needs to get George and Lorraine together yeah this whole sequence of events um, will become a copy and paste in the second one and it and it, and it, it works so well it's so fast paced. So, it doesn't stop. So much tension. I mean, like there, there's anything, you know, basically they're throwing the kitchen sink in of everything that can go wrong for Marty. And it just works so well, you know. Um, it, it's just, you know, he has to, you know, get his parents back together. But then, you know, um, he has to <laughs> then get on stage to make them kiss. They have this other guy who say who cuts in on the dance. Then have to get Marty back to the future. Um, yeah. And, you know, everything's going wrong. Doc can't get the, the leads connected and the car won't start. I know that's a sort of cliche trope in itself. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, but it's great. And I, I love George's big scene where he punches Biff. You know, yeah, get, it's a nice. Get your damn hands he that, off her. <laughs> but that's a. We talk about arcs, and that is the best arc in the entire film. Yeah. Actually, of all the arcs. He's the one who has to have his arc. Apparently, now he, I haven't read it, but apparently there is a novelization, you know, a, a novelization tie-in of this, and apparently it gives more um, background on George McFly why he is so unconfident and and stuff. It's because his father basically um, drummed it out of him, um, you know, because he, he he wanted to be a science fiction writer, but his, his father was all, oh, this is stupid, you know what I mean? Catch yourself on, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. You're nothing but a loser. Basically, what Biff is basically telling him as well. Uh, but Biff's doing it for different reasons so yeah G- George has a great arc and he stands up for himself and knocks Biff out <laughs> yeah and but that scene like I was saying there he, of all the characters his is the arc that has to happen yes it has to so you, that's where the tension is 
And there's a scene where when he when he's going to he thinks it's Marty. Yes. Trying to have his way with his mother. With his mother. <laughs> and so he he when he opens the door and he sees this Biff and he says walk away and you see it's kind of he's he's he's, he's raping her. Yep, I know. Is what he's about to do. Yep. So again, played the way it's the way it's handled the execution of it is brilliant. Yep. And but when he finds out it's Biff and Biff says walk away McFly. Yep. Turn, turn around and walk away. Second, ha- yeah, ha- for a half a second, you see Crispin Glover's performance just by his face saying, I'm not walking away from this anymore. Yep. And boom. And he totally... And it's just a look. Yep. And he sells it. And I would say as well, although we've been talking about Crispin Glover's comedy acting, here it's very dramatic acting. And he totally pulls it off, and you see him clenching his fist and just saying, "I've had enough of this bastard." Basically, you can see it in his face, and he just thumps him. Um, before this all happened, when this is the awkward part I was talking about, but again, play like a faulty towers. Yeah. Um, it's she's making his her advances. She's smoking. She's drinking. Yes. What are you? What are you doing? What are you doing like this? And why are you doing all this? Yeah. And she's like, God, you sound like my mother. <laughs> and his look, oh my God, it's hilarious. Brilliant lines, brilliantly written, and brilliantly played. Yeah. <laughs> you know the scene where she's uh, she's drinking. Yeah. And then he grabs it and he takes a drink and he spits it out. Yep. The crew did that as a joke. Yeah, I read that. They actually yeah. filled it with a. Uh, of liquor. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he but, he's saying, you know, oh, my, you know, he goes, uh, you know, you you could regret this in later life. And he goes, my God, Marty, you sound like my mother. <laughs> you know, uh, because obviously he becomes an alcoholic. You know. Yes. Yes. You know? Which is so weird because again, these guys can get away with it because they hand it's the way the performers are are to, what they're told to do and their actual one hundred percent. And that's how you, you get away with like dark comedy because this is dark comedy. Yeah, because you're actually introducing the mother in the beginning as an alcoholic, but you love her. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. You got Joey who's in prison. <laughs> Uncle, J- got, Uncle Jailbird, Joey. <laughs> um, you got the brother who works for fast food, yeah. and you got the daughter who's doesn't have a life yeah. and, and, and so forth. It's just, oh, it's brilliant. It's a comedic, it's comedic mess. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, I lo- also love the line where we meet Uncle Joey. Um, in Lorraine's house. Oh, yeah. And yeah. He's, a, he's just a, a, a toddler in the playpen. And Marty goes to him, better get used to these bars, kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, many just brilliant lines. That just to- And that's my point, though. The, the movie, in that first fi- fucking 15 minutes, yeah. you had, it planted everything so perfectly. Yep, yep. And then when it's referenced again in the 50s, yes. you get it. Yeah. And not only that, there, it, this is why this film works so well on repeat viewings. As well, because you, you, those things, you know, even you know, you notice them more the more and more times you watch it. It's that this to me is one of the as as an a near a near perfect film, right across it the is. board. It is. Um, now I, I do have. It's a big part of the. I got two two problems with it. Go ahead. So since you brought it up, near perfect. This is why it probably isn't to me. Um, and they're probably petty. But we talked about how this movie plants the seed a lot. Yep. Now, the scene where he's going to write a letter to Doc. Yes. Because he's not going to listen to him. I'm going to write a letter to Doc. Yeah. And I'm going to put it in his pocket and he'll find out, please protect yourself in the future because you'll be shot. Yeah. All right. I think once he tries to convince him 
And he says, Marty, I don't want to hear about it because that could be, you know, it could change the future, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right? I don't think you show him write the letter. I think that whole scene should have been cut. I don't, you don't see him. He goes, I need to com- I need to communicate this with you. You end it there. Nope. So the audience now is, is on. The, now the audience is in with, with Marty and you feel like, oh, he never got to tell him. We hope. And so when he does get, when he does go back to the future and he gets, sees him get shot, the audience would still be upset because you, but then you could have said, and then they have maybe a flashback. He actually put a letter in his coat. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying, but it, for, from my point of view, it does work for me in that because it shows, um, whenever he's writing the letter, it shows how concerned Marty is and his emotional connection to Doc. Um, he, by the way, uh, people have brought this up as well. I haven't even addressed this, uh, but people have also, of the weirdness of the film. Uh, what the fuck is this old crazy scientist doing hanging about with a 17-year-old boy? <laughs> you know? But anyway, uh, we can sort of give that a point. Oh, I don't mind that. Yeah, what, 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 what I don't mind it? that. Oh, here we go. No, no, hey, I don't now mind you're not, Now you're pedophile. You <laughs> sicko, man. Incessant. You, you people. Yeah. You people yep. and your elevated horror. <laughs> you see every, all this. <laughs> anyway, so... No, I'm joking again. But anyway... Uh, no, this scene where he's writing the letter, it does show Marty's connection with Doc and his concern because he knows Doc's. I know, but I think it would have been a nice little twist. But, oh, something you know that little extra because then the audience would. Be, I just, I think you get what I'm saying. I don't know. I, I understand. Right. But what, what it works either way. But what what but, I was more sort of again, it's a very very minor niggle. Um, it's whenever Doc then back in 1985, Doc reveals that he still tipped the letter back together again. And then he and I and then he goes, but I figured, what the hell? That's kind of like goes against Doc's character, where he was, where he's like, yeah, I, exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's and that's another way they could have played mm-hmm. it because you're right, he's bitching and moaning about it. I can't because I'm a scientist yes. and blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden, oh, what the hell? Yeah. But it would have been better if he goes, um, what what happened? He goes, I accidentally read this when I pulled it out of my pocket back in 1955. Yes, and that would have been better. Yes. And so I think I, I'm holding what I'm saying. Yes. I think, yeah. Don't show the letter. But the, the actual write, uh, letter writing scene does work for me on an emotional level. And, you know, you. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I, I, I think it's the opposite. Yeah. But okay, fair enough. To each their own. To each their own. Yeah. It doesn't kill it. it just, no, no, not at, all, not at all. And here's another one. Go ahead. Now, I, the whole film, we've been good. We're not talking about time and space. And we're not talking about, you know, if you did this, you would have done that. We're not doing yeah. that. If we're here to nitpick a time travel movie, we'd be here all night, and we'd be here. Uh, Terminators are just a bad. Yep. There's no such thing as a realistic time travel movie. So let's just move on from that. Yep. But there is one thing, and it's a big one. When he has the photo of him, the sister, and his brother at the well. Yes. And they see the brothers disappeared because. Yep. Wouldn't they all disappear at the or same least, time? No, no, no. It's about um, because they were born before Marty because they're older. And it's just like it's like the timelines. This is being explained, and again, uh, by like um, Bob Gale and Zemeckis, it's the timelines catching up. So while they have the, the an action has happened, but the timeline in the future from nineteen fifty five takes a while to catch up. So that's why the brother ah, goes first, okay. then the sister, and Marty okay. last because he's the youngest. There is okay. there is a little thing as well. Whenever Marty is. Um, says um he's in the time machine he's saying i have to, um well doc's not listening to me i have to go back earlier to save him 
I say 10 minutes to do it. Well, he's got a time machine. Why didn't he just fucking go back a day earlier? Something like that. You know, 10 minutes, that's cutting it too fine for me. Yeah, I didn't get that. I didn't get that either. I remember, I remember saying, oh, 10 minutes? What the fuck are you supposed to do there? Yeah, but obviously it's a plot contrivance. But apart, you know, this is very, very minor stuff, nitty gritty that we're getting into. But, you know, this is, to me, one of the, the all-time greats, without a shadow of doubt, if not the greatest um, that I've seen. Obviously, I haven't seen every single film ever made, but, you know, it's 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 practically perfect. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when he flies back, and he goes, Doc, what are you doing back? You gotta come with me. Bring Jennifer. It involves her, too. Yeah. And he's like, well, what happens? We become assholes or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it cuts away. I remember seeing this in the theater going, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Because the second one, they say, do be continued. This one, they did it in the theater. They did it. The video release, yes. they do. Yes, yes. But in the theater, and in the, the 4K one that I own, they don't say it. It's the regular regular cut. Yeah. So it just ends. I remember wanting more. Yes, yeah. Well, again, and exactly. And then, of course, back in this alternate 1985 that, um, you know, George and Lorraine, they're all successful and it's all a happy ending. And George is a science fiction author and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is where Glover didn't return. Now, the rumor was, was because Glover wanted more money. Um, that's what Zemeckis and the gang said. Yes. And Glover, and look at, and researching it, we have found out that Iris was greed because the reason he didn't return is, quite frankly, arrogant and selfish. Um, he didn't like the fact that the family had riches at the end of it. He didn't like the fact that money saved saved, saved the family. Yes. The money didn't save the family. Um, it was love for George standing up for himself. Yeah, that's what saved the family. Him, a successful writer, is... Was just a, a side effect of... of yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what a childish and pompous way to walk away from a franchise like this. Or not a franchise, sorry, a trilogy well, like this. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know why, but I do the full details on who's telling the truth and who's not. But, I mean, because there are conflicting reports about this. But apparently, um, one of his, according to um, Christian Glover's um, argument, it was... Well, um, he was saying that um, he was getting he was offered less money than Leah Thompson and other characters in the second one who had a similar um, amount of time and lines and stuff, and he said that he was getting offered less money, so he wanted the same as them. Which, if that is true, is far enough. No, that but I, I would know. back him up on. I would back him up on that because he actually he deserves more. He steals the film. Well, well this is um, the thing. Apparently, so. Leah Thompson has come out and said she has always said that. Um, Chris McGlover, she's the only one that has come out and said Chris Chris McGlover steals the show in the first film without doubt, and she has also said that and actually that Robert Zemeckis agrees with her, but in, in private, in secret. Well, Zemeckis rehired him, you know that, right? Uh, right. What was that for? Um, Zemeckis got into um, the, the digital animation, you know, Polar Express. Yes. Yes. But he did a film, which is actually quite good. You guys should check it out, called Beowulf. Yes, yes. Uh, I know all and of it, yeah. He's Grendel. Right. Uh-huh. And and he's perfect. Yeah. But keep in mind, Beowulf was shot with them in it. They were wearing green suits. Yes. You know, oh, whatever I, yeah, you call yeah. them. And, yeah. and, but he played Grendel, which is kind of like a Gollum yes, character. Beowulf. Yes. Um, yeah, so um, that that's kind of, they kind of had that little... Patched it up. 
puts things patched up a bit. Yeah. But yeah, if that's the case, because if it's because they had riches, that's stupid. That's not what I got out of that at all. Yeah. Um, but if that's the reason you're an idiot, Crispin Glover, if the reason you walked away because you were insulted that you were going to make less than anyone else, then I would have walked away. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, uh, uh, going back to George, um, he, he, it's not about the money. It's about he becomes su- successful and he does. In all aspects of yes, life. Yes, exactly. And he fulfills his potential, his true potential, which he wasn't whenever he, well, in the, the original 1985 timeline where he's. <coughs> You know? <laughs> <laughs> but but here he's funnier back in the, the original 1985 timeline <laughs> and boy do we miss him yeah. in the second yeah. one I'll tell you that now yeah. we don't need him in the third but we miss him yeah. in the second um, alright uh, speaking of that we'll be jumping into the second one next week um, are we not going to bother to give you our final thoughts because duh yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the best of all time yeah um, and I think everyone agrees. I don't know anybody. I think I, I don't think I've met anyone who says I don't like those movies. Yeah, I know. I don't. Yeah, exactly. It's, what it's sort of a of, fucking person doesn't? You know. Yeah, it's kind of like Shawshank Redemption. Who doesn't like that? <laughs> you just look at him. What's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I know. But there you go. Uh, listen, guys, thanks for joining in this. Um, looking forward to watching part two and then part three. Um, give us a shout. Give us if you know anything about the Crispin Glover. Uh, chaos let us know you can feel, feel free to reach out to us on Facebook as usual or of course citizen frame underscore podcast on Instagram um, we're going to wrap this one up you guys take care of yourselves this has been a long one but thanks for sticking with us take care